I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnut, and with me today is Julius Solaris, VP of Marketing Strategy on the Events Division at Hopin. Welcome to the podcast, Julius. Thanks for having me, Scott. Such a pleasure and uh, hi to all your listeners. Excellent. So today we're going to be discussing how to generate demand using shared experiences. We'll weave in a little bit about Hopin and the features and functionality within Hopin. And then we'll talk a little bit more and draw from your experience of the events industry. And to kick things off, do you want to describe a little bit more about what you do at Hopin, what Hopin is all about, and maybe your day-to-day role in the company? Um, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, Scott, um, actually, our founder, Johnny Bufferat, um, I believe was in London at the time. Um, uh, Hopin is a, is a British company by founding, uh, even though it's a fully remote uh, we're everywhere. And uh, the, the story is quite uh, interesting, I guess, for your listeners too. As Johnny uh, was uh, confined in bed for an autoimmune disease for quite some time before the pandemic. Um, and therefore, he was missing out on everything that London has to offer in terms of amazing events and uh, tech community meetups and the likes. So he decided to build a platform that could sort of extend the one directional functionality of event of webinars mm. specifically online uh, and create more of a, an experience that would resemble uh, that of attending events in person. Um, and obviously this was 2019 when the first iteration of the product shipped and uh, the pandemic hit and uh, hopping becomes from a few people, almost uh, in the space of a couple of years, almost a thousand people and then a billion dollar in funding and uh, the fastest growing European company of all times. And therefore, yeah, quite a story, right? Talk about your involvement in that. So when when did you join the company and start experiencing this roller coaster ride with Hopin? I actually was quite late to the game in Hopin's term, terms, but... Um, Five months ago now, uh, but I got to meet Johnny in my previous capacity right. um, as an editor of one of the most um, sort of popular websites for event planners uh, online called Event MB. I've been editor of that and founder of that for for uh, fifteen years, and uh, I got to meet Johnny 
in that capacity. So I was like involved, I guess, at the, as a commentator at the beginning, looking at this trajectory. And then, uh, so I guess amazed by it that I decided to join uh, and made the switch from media to technology and uh, embraced, you know, I've always loved technology and event technology specifically. That was my topic, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what I love to talk about. And um, I guess I made the jump and uh, joined, uh, joined Ventech. And what was it that amazed you? That's a really interesting word to use. To You talked there about jumping from the media side to the technology side and being amazed by what they had on offer. So talk me through, what was it What mm. was it about hopping that you thought, wow, this is different or unique and it's going to add something to the events industry? That's a, that's a great question, actually, and one that I love to answer because, um, you know, I've been blogging. Essentially, I founded a blog, right, in, in 2007 when blogs were, were cool. Hmm. And, uh, I, you know, the, my topic was uh, event technology. And I, I, I was amazed by the intersection of technology and live experiences mm-hmm. and the impact that trends like social media at the time, like new things in 2008, 2009 that were happening to the event industry could have an impact on the way we meet and we gather. And therefore, I was always like following all the tech news. I worked in many capacities as a, an editor with all the marketing teams from all the com- companies in event technology, from Eventbrite to Cvent, you know, household names to a certain extent. And I remember I always point at kind of 2015 when a company called Double Dutch raised a, a founding uh, round of 30 million, I believe it was. And we were shocked, right? Mm -hmm. That was an absurd amount of money for the event industry, a crazy amount of money. Uh, You know, usually you would see rounds of like a million, two million. Mm -hmm. So 30 millions were just mind-blowing. So when hopping comes, and all of a sudden, in the space of a year, year and a half, there is $1 billion. (laughs) It's For someone that has been doing this for 15 years, it's very easy to see that this is like once in a lifetime type of opportunities. It's just something that doesn't happen in our industry. It's just um, the sort of the beginning of something different, of a revolution. And um, obviously, Hopin has been at the forefront, of, you know, of many companies in event technology that did crazy rounds in the past year and a half, two years. Uh, but, you know, the vision that Johnny has, the, the kind of... Uh, the way the tool connects people is just unique and uh, I wanted to be part of it. And what is it about the tool that you think facilitates connection or experience in a way that's different to other event technology software? And I say this with the, the context of, you know, I remember particularly early on in the pandemic, the very first thing is everyone starts working remotely People are looking at things like Zoom and it actually within maybe six months, there are all these funny memes and kind of joke articles coming out saying Skype should have been in the same position that Zoom's in and Skype missed the boat and they, um, you know, they really should have been providing the solutions that we were all looking for. And so I imagine that the, well, I know because I, I was looking for these conferencing solutions, these communication solutions myself for our company. So I know how much of a competitive space it's been in 2020, 2021, and still today. Was there anything that you can point to within the culture or technology at Hopin that gave you all an advantage 
and you know that set you up to capitalize on the demand for event technology software? Yeah, once again, uh, once again, great question uh, here. I've been thinking about that, Scott, for quite a while. Um, and, um, you know, there's, I think there's, um, there's few factors. One is culture, as you mentioned. Mm. Um, I think there's, there's an obsession with product that showed up at the very beginning in terms of, um, many planners, many marketing teams, uh, many people that were all of a sudden in need of a virtual tool that never had an experience before with it. Uh, they had to go through a crash course into understanding what they needed. And to find the tool flexible, easy enough, but then that it would deliver a good experience to the audience that they could use. And, you know, it's very tough to define, like, what delivers a good experience, right? Uh, it's, it's still tough to find for people that try to, for companies that try to imitate, for example, an iPhone experience, right? As opposed to um, a Palm OS experience back in 2007, right? Mm -hmm. You see it, and it's immediately different, right? So I believe there's a lot of product culture that went into the product in early days that set it apart um, in the multitude of tools available. And then the second part is like some features that were available within the tool made it a very viral immediately. And one that I like to pinpoint at, um, it's uh, what I refer to as the network networking shuffle module. That's a module within the platform that allows you to connect to random attendees uh, for three minutes, you can decide to extend it if you like your conversation or just move on to the next one. And literally, like, I was attending this event a few weeks ago, and I found myself, like, spending an hour, an hour and a half on that module, just meeting <laughs> random people and enjoying, like, these serendipity, right? Which, at the end of the day, is what we miss about live events, if you can think about it. We don't miss the content of live events. We don't miss the keynote. We don't miss the the breakout session. I mean, yeah, the content is great. You know, consuming it live has a special sort of meaning to it. But what we miss is that occasional encounter that we do at a coffee break or at a mm -hmm. party and that connection. And I believe Hoppin was very clever in replicating that experience early on. And this is interesting because uh, it leads me to one of my questions, which is about hybrid events, because I think most people listening to the podcast, uh, me included, like we're familiar with offline events and we're familiar with conferences and webinars, but hybrid events for some people are pretty new. I've not hosted a hybrid event, but I've attended hybrid events. Are you able to describe maybe for the people that aren't familiar what hybrid events look like in general, but also as hosted on Hopin, what's different about the functionality in comparison to maybe offline events? So hybrid events, obviously very important right now as we've uh, sort of entered this new world of virtual events, both virtual events and hybrid events, a little bit of history here for your, your audience as well. They're not new. They didn't start with the pandemic. They are tools that have been used for years in the industry. But um, they haven't had sort of the trajectory um, in the past 20 years that they've had in the past 20 months. Because even if you think in terms of the features available within these tools, uh, right now we've just seen an incredible amount of progress in the past 20 months. So let's reset the conversation to say that hybrid tools, virtual tools available today 
are nowhere comparable to whatever was before the pandemic, right? So that sets a new kind of need in the market to connect in a different way, right? Um, because we all saw the value of connecting virtually while we couldn't attend, right? And all of a sudden, that becomes kind of a continued need as we're seeing it in the office to a certain extent where a lot of people are deciding to stay home, right? And companies are starting to offer hybrid workplaces. The same kind of applies for uh, for events. So if we define a hybrid event, really, we're thinking the traditional definition is an event that is happening um, offline, so in person, but as a virtual component as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the two components are happening at the same time. So there's an online audience and there's a, an in-person audience, right? This definition we're finding in the next year or so is very fluid. So keep that in mind. It's evolving. We're just in year three of the event tech revolution, as I like to call it, uh, because things are moving super fast. So this definition is evolving. And so a lot of people are, for example, now referring to synchronous hybrid experiences, what I just defined. So one audience online, one audience offline connecting at the same time and then asynchronous experiences hybrid experiences meaning an event that's happening um, online and then followed up by an in-person event right or an in-person event that has a virtual component happening a week after so we're seeing a lot of evolution of this model right that means that the creative spirits of event planners marketing teams are really embracing what we like to call more of a hybrid event strategy, a mix of tools available according to different objectives, different audiences, different type of events, sometimes virtual, sometimes in person, sometimes both, sometimes both at the same time, sometimes both spaced out a little bit. So I hope that creates a little bit of context to what we're talking about. Yeah, it's really interesting because the way I'm kind of visualizing it is almost like a workflow. It, it it takes events from being static to maybe being more sequential. And so we can now start to host or view events as a series of events or sub-events as opposed to one single event that's hosted online and that, that just one experience alone. Is that kind of a fair summary? You are absolutely correct. That's exactly what we're seeing as we're you know, the big word, I believe, in 2022 for marketing teams is community, right? And I believe that, you know, what we like to refer to as event-driven communities, it's kind of, this is like the next frontier for events, like a, a sense of community that is built through virtual touch points for the year that culminate into a, an in-person experience. Uh, and in, in that in-person experience, some audience may be, could not travel still or could not attend or don't want to be bothered with the travel. And therefore, they, they would uh, prefer to attend online. And that's where kind of the hybrid push is needed. Uh, today, maybe it's needed because of a pandemic that it's happening. Tomorrow, it may be needed because sustainability pressure is happening. So travel, you know, traveling like from to the other side of the world for a day Maybe it's an overkill. Maybe. I, I would say surely will be an <laughs> overkill in a few years. Or maybe just because of inclusion. I like to think 
of the period between March 2020 and June 2020, where all these virtual events were uh, happening online for free as the biggest advertisement that the event industry has ever had for itself. Because a lot of people all of a sudden were able to attend many events that they couldn't be. So to take all of that away from people that cannot be there because of their disability, because of their inability to attend for whatever reason, because of uh, the fact they have, they have children at home, for whatever reason, that inclusion piece is so relevant. Yeah, we'll maybe move on to that in a moment as, as we discuss this concept of shared experiences, because I think it ties in with that and the ability to meet and interact with people that perhaps you wouldn't meet or interact with if you're in your if you're in an in-person event or in your normal workspace. So I, I want to hold that thought for just a second, um, because just bringing all of this together and bringing it to life for anyone listening, um, I really understand you've explained clearly the benefits and how hybrid events can work. But I'm interested in your favorite examples over this last couple of years. So mm-hmm. have there been any, it, th- those could be events that have been hosted on Hopin, or they could be other platforms that you've attended um, an event as a t- an attendee. But do you have any standout examples where you think, wow, this in particular, this hybrid event was delivered really, really well and it enhanced the experience? Well, um, I feel that one of the the, um, the examples we like to refer to quite a lot internally and externally is um, it's actually, a, a, once again, a UK-based event called Mind the Product, uh, which is uh, part of a community for product managers. And they had quite an interesting strategy, which I feel it's one that responds to one of the needs that event planners and marketers alike have right now, the uncertainty, right? We all face uncertainty. Well, we face uncertainty in terms of like, can we attend? Will we be, be able to travel? Um, will, uh, will be uh, safe enough to, to gather? Will there be regulation? So there's climate of uncertainty that will keep on going for the remainder of the year. And therefore they approach this with a very com- a completely change a completely a complete shift in the narrative to a certain extent they, what they did is they had an in-person event scheduled but what they did is they scheduled before that a virtual event that would just level up all the attendees with a with a uh, a day of virtual content online mm-hmm. and that what that did that minimized the risks so say for example they had to cancel last minute because of a uh, change or new spike uh, in the pandemic and the likes, they they still had that virtual experience. They front-loaded the virtual experience first so that whatever happened afterwards, there was still a good reason for everybody to meet. Mm-hmm. But that virtual experience, then the in-person event actually did happen. What the, the, the purpose of and the the beauty of the virtual experience was that it created the community and the connection before the event so that people that attended that in person, they already connected on the platform and they were already kind of, uh, kind of, you have this feeling, right? That, that all of us know from social media, from Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you use of connection that we experience online that again, almost like gets relieved when we yeah. meet offline. It's so like an ice. Bro- it's like an icebreaker almost. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But even more than that, I believe that it's creating almost like a, b- a deeper level of mm-hmm. connection in virtual. Um, that's what we're discovering a lot. 
the the connection that gets created over virtual, it's a pretty pretty uh, meaningful one. I can give you an example of that. So one community I look at with with a lot of interest is the gamers community, right? Mm-hmm. These are people that play online, meet online all the time over platforms like Twitch. They discuss, they connect. Uh, yet, if you think about the venues that they're building here in Las Vegas, where I live, their stadia, their actual stadia for gamers, mm-hmm. right? Humongous venues, uh, stadium-sized venues for gamers to come together and do esports in presence. So can you think about the almost like how counterintuitive is that? The biggest online communities almost like need to meet in person as much as possible, mm. uh, right? So you have this this tension that builds up through online connection, and the only way to relieve that tension is almost like to to it's actually to meet in person. So they have, yeah. I mean, there's a there's an interesting correlation between the two and depth of connection online. Mm, that's really interesting. I, one thing I talk about and go back to is you mentioned about inclusion being an important benefit to hybrid events and i'm an introvert i don't particularly like networking i don't think i'm good at it um, despite being a podcast host and talking to people and what's really interesting is that i can see the benefits of having a virtual event before attending an in-person event i think that would maybe relieve some of that event related anxiety that i get because sometimes i get that little bit of anxiety around networking and not knowing what to talk about but Having a virtual event ahead of an in-person event might give you that icebreaker, that confidence, just those talking points that make that in-person event that little bit more comfortable, particularly for introverts, I think. Scott, you're so right with that. I'm I'm an introvert myself, despite I've been, you know, speaking on stages around the world. You know, even speaking, I feel is like um, it's easier for introverts that actually walk up to someone mm. and introduce yourself and say, hi, I'm Julius. Uh, I love to like, what do you do? How do you, I hate small talk. Yeah. I'm always on the side of a room. I don't want to meet anybody. I don't feel the need to go and introduce myself to anybody. So I can relate to that so much. Uh, and I believe this virtual experience has been liberating for a lot of us, right? So mm. all of a sudden we can have our online personas and just like meet. And what I what I uh, I want to go back also to the networking shuffle module within Hopin because mm-hmm. as an introvert that gives me the confidence to be in my house with my camera on with you know in my setting but then still connect to someone else right without the awkward in person experience of you know going outside of my comfort zone don't get me wrong I mean I, I appreciate in person events to the stage that they push me in that sense a little mm-hmm. bit right a little bit out of my comfort zone. I, I appreciate those events that make it easier uh, for introverts to connect. But virtual events are extremely inclusive for introverts and mm. they really create uh, uh, an option to attend. And then there's like there's there's also a concept of um, almost feeding different personality types, right? Mm-hmm. So the introverts will attend more online and show up maybe for the big event that they care about. The extroverts that don't care about online, they're just going to go and attend all the in-person events. So we're catering for different type of personalities. We're being, we're creating more custom experiences for them and respecting their personas 
not everybody likes to to party and you know being drunk all the time you know alcohol is a big topic as well right mm-hmm. within the industry so not everybody likes to do that so i think we're entering a different phase and hybrid virtual they're enabling for a lot of people in terms of finally be themselves and are all of these points that we're discussing here particularly about kind of um i've forgotten the name of the actual module but um the, the breakout networking rooms mm-hmm. are those what you would describe as creating shared experiences and maybe could you just elaborate in a little bit more on what this shared experience concept means to you the shared experience concept is really out of the early days of the pandemic we feel as a team and we've been talking about this internally quite a lot that whatever happened in the early months of the pandemic this uh, sense of connectedness because we, all of a sudden we realize we have so many tools to connect right mm. uh, and and thank god for for this ability to get together and do birthdays uh, online and do whatever occasion um presents to us personally and in business endeavors online with all these tools available that connect us more than ever, yet there's a feeling, uh, there's a sense of being almost alone in, in our houses at the same time, right? There's almost like this, this um, clash between the readily available tools and how these tools makes us, make, make us feel. And, you know, we started a new sort of uh, redefinition of our brand and our motto is feel closer because we feel that we we want to in this era of connectness um the purpose of of tools like hopin is to connect to the people better make us feel closer give us an experience that resemble the one that is um in person actually embracing the in person experience as well mm-hmm. because we started as a virtual tool but then moved on to buy and acquire three companies that do in person event technology specifically mm-hmm. So, and really help to connect human beings better. Because, you know, we believe there's a lot of work to do. We're just year three of this uh, revolution. And really, we're working so hard to think, how can we make the experience better? How can we make it more human? How can we make it more accessible? How can it be more immersive? All these elements sort of play a role. It's once again, it's something so difficult to define, right? Mm-hmm. That's why the best teams, I guess, we're very lucky to have um, probably one of the best team uh, in the industry right now in terms of people that come from the biggest technology and non-technology companies here, in, here and around the world um, to come together and think, how can we make the experience better? Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, we want to feel closer and we don't want to we don't want to be apart. That's the power that events have, right? To connect people. And uh, we try to be there wherever, whenever, however people want to connect. We want to be there facilitating mm. that connection. I appreciate this is a question that you're probably enthusiastic about and might make your mind explode. But <laughs> I'm really interested to know the technology, whether that's hardware or software, that you think really helps to facilitate that kind of connection, that shared experience, particularly for in-person events and hybrid events. Is there anything that stands out to you? I believe that right now, uh, when we attend in-person events, uh, we have very specific needs. 
time. And there are different needs from before the pandemic. So before the pandemic, we would show up for an in-person event to listen to a keynote speaker or listen to some content. Mostly for that, we would purchase a ticket in most mm-hmm. cases, especially for conferences, content-heavy programs and the likes. Um, that was changing, but the transition has accelerated in a sense that I don't know if you attended any event um, during the pandemic in presence. The needs for me are completely different. The experience that I want to have is completely different. I was uh, stuck in a room for like an hour and a half listening to a keynote during an in-person event. And I was thinking like, why are they doing this to me? I don't need to be here. I literally let me go. Uh, you know, I, I've been listening to people for the past 12 months. And this is the first event I go back to in person. And you're literally like locking me up in a room while I want to meet people, hug people, be entertained, hmm. uh, you know, have a coffee, talk, like create those type of connections. So any type of technology that allows that connection is great. But let me tell you something. I went back to an event here in Las Vegas two weeks ago. So peak of Omicron, right? Hmm. Uh, in America and around the world. So very tough to show up in person, right? Mm. Um, all of those that made it, they really, really wanted to be there because there, there was a lot of pushback, as you've seen from CES and the likes yeah. um, here in Las Vegas. So I, uh, I, I couldn't care less uh, at that moment in time about the program, even though there were like some amazing keynotes and speeches. This is an event that is very well known in the industry for the great content that they do. Uh, very inspirational. But I wanted to network. I wanted to see people. I was there representing Hopin. So I was on the show floor as an exhibitor as well. I wanted to connect. I wanted to do business. I wanted to be inspired by having conversations. So the interesting part where the technology kicked in was when I went back home, I was able as a, as an attendee to go back and rewatch all the sessions that were offered to the virtual audience, right? And replay all of them, which was incredibly valuable because still there was, you know, it was people like Scott Galloway talking. I don't know if you know him, someone that I follow on, online and I respect you was talking about predictions of 2022, the metaverse, all these things that I'm passionate about. And so I missed it because I was like so concerned with the networking, but I went back home and all of a sudden was able to catch up with all that content, right? It's almost like going to, to you miss it at the movie theater, but you who cares? You know, you have Netflix or uh, HBO Max or whatever, and you catch up on demand. That's something. That was incredible value to me because I didn't want to miss out. So, but then I could rewatch everything being concentrated in my in my room and I actually did catch up on it because there's a lot of people that say I never watch replays uh, of events mm-hmm. uh, I register for them uh, and then I never go back and watch them well I, I I must like stress review the events you sign up for because some events are actually worth re-watching in terms of the content that they produce I want to I want to go back and 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 but then it becomes like a meeting, an event design problem rather than a technology problem. Mm-hmm. But the availability of replays, I think it's a complete game changer for the event industry where you would miss constantly these opportunities. But now, since there's a hybrid need, there's a virtual audience, all these sessions are streamed. And by the way, one of my favorite tools 
ever was one of the acquisitions that we did as part of Open. We acquired StreamYard, which mm -hmm. completely changed my life as an <laughs> event planner when I was editor at Event MB. And we had to ship these events. We did six events for 60,000 event planners in the space of nine months. And StreamYard was like amazing. It would replace six or seven people, honestly. Um, so this ability to stream live and have different views and share slides on the go and feed into a, a virtual event platform like Hopin immediately is just game changer. And you mm. have all these tools available for free because Hopin it starts for free. <laughs> uh, StreamYard, you can try it for free. You know, all these tools available, like you can create, like if you're strategic about it, this is a complete change in the business model. I've got two other questions about specifically kind of the use of technology for hybrid and online events, but just events in general. The first, which just came to mind, I didn't even think about this in the lead up to the podcast and it just kind of clicked in my brain, is NFTs. And I'm interested to know if you've seen, seen any interesting use cases for the integration of NFTs with events? So I feel there's there's potential there, Scott, um, in terms of a group of people coming together to create something, okay? And that could be memorabilia, that could be merch that gets created uh, at an event and then shipped within the community. That could be embedded within the community as uh, event platforms like ours become sort of uh, hubs for attendees to come together and like stay there more time. They become community platforms to a certain extent. Um, you know, the ability to create something as part of it, it's, it's incredible, right? There's a lot of potential for it. Then there's, there's also, I feel as, uh, we need to reconcile a little bit with the real world. And I was having this conversation with, um, a planner. Um, that runs an agency and they do pharma events, right? For doctors, huge events for uh, medical associations, 50,000 attendees plus, right? So can you think about that, Scott, for a second? It's just the perfect use case for virtual events, right? Because these are doctors, they're stressed, they're um, everybody, every doctor on earth right now is having a tough time. They can't afford to travel. So virtual events are perfect for doctors, yet. The audience is so resistant to the technology in many cases. He was telling me, we tried, uh, we had to literally phone up and call every doctor and say, click on that link, then go there. Like some, some audiences are completely resistant to technology uh, in general, and there's still a long way to go. So my concern is, is when talking about stuff like NFT and the metaverse, is that it's something that we sort of technology early adopters and, and people that are enthusiasts about these things uh, really embrace. But the larger, big part of the world, it's kind of like it's going to take a while. It's going to take a good while unless the technology becomes incredibly simple and incredibly easy to use. So that's, I feel, part of the success of Open. It's so easy. Like people just click and you're in and you just watch it. And it's just like you don't have to do anything. Stuff like NFTs, metaverse, blockchain, they're still difficult concepts for a lot of people out there. So the catch-up of that, we have to see. We have to see, but the potential is definitely there. Mm. And the second question on the technology front is data. I'm really interested to know 
from the host's perspective, uh, and you can speak about this from the functionality available within Hopin, but what data do you get available as a host that allows you to enhance um, an event experience? Mm. It's an excellent question because I feel this is like, this is where it's becoming real for your audience, Scott. I mm. feel that, you know, if your audience is looking for kind of like that breakthrough that can make their marketing different mm. in 2022, I feel this is the untapped territory right now because we've seen everything online in marketing. We've tested it. We know social media. We know email. We know webinars to a certain extent. We know all these things. We really know them. There's not a lot of new innovation that is coming out of those. The tools are pretty much the same. The mm. best practices are out there. Now, data in events, it's something new. Because in-person events traditionally struggled with the data piece, right? If you think about an event in person, is as I like to to define it, is an exchange of fresh air, right? This, it's like we meet and, and then it's great. But but how and why and what's the data to back that up, right? It's it's very tough to quantify within a virtual environment, within a hybrid environment, and even in person, because there's a lot of technology that supports that in person, but it's more difficult and more expensive. In virtual specifically, it's so easy. And all of a sudden, we're really seeing the results of that. So just to, to give you some quick background about the event industry, the event mm. industry, some research I did, in 2019, with thousands of event planners questioned, they responded that I think it's around 34% of them either don't care about data or don't want data as part of their event technology choices. So this is an industry that is data repellent almost, like they don't <laughs> like it. They don't like it. Yet, when we look at Hopin, 85% of people that use our platform, they spend their time digging through analytics to the stage where we're seeing teams transforming. They're assigning analytics people to events, virtual events specifically, to dig into the reports available. What does it mean, though? Because that's something that we're working extremely tirelessly on, and I'm so excited for what's next in the releases that we're going to make this year, specific on this on this piece. I feel that uh, you know we're trying to move past vanity metrics because like the the question is yeah i mean great reports but so what mm. right what i'm going to do with it i feel that we're already seeing the change that this these reports are having um uh, the impact that they're making on event on events in general so things that are sort of you take for granted when you create a conference or convention or a trade show stuff like okay a keynote has to have 45 minutes right no Everybody in virtual like is moving away from it immediately. Like, because you see everybody's dropping out after 20, 25 minutes. So immediately you're redefining, and that works in person too, right? Nobody mm. wants to stay, as I, I mentioned to you at the beginning of the episode. I don't want to stay in a room for an hour and a half listening to a keynote. That has changed me. Like mm. virtual has changed the way I consume content at events dramatically. And planners are digging into data to decide, like, okay. This is the content that works best. So that was Im almost impossible to do before. I mean, you could do it by following up with people, asking, did you like that session? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you had like the most advanced events at beacons, kind of Bluetooth enabled to do, give immediate feedback about a session. 
so difficult. Like the beauty of virtual, it's so like you don't like the attendee doesn't have to do anything. They're just mm-hmm. behaving. And our game changing is that pretty dramatic, not only for events, but also for marketing. As we enter a cookie-less environment online where more and more companies are dropping cookies, GDPR, privacy protection, and the likes, all of a sudden you have a tool where attendees, in some cases, they pay a ticket to give you as much data as possible just for access. And and event platforms has, have this beauty. By gating the access to events, they, they create incredible data points at entrance, but also within the platforms because there's a million data points, like do, how many downloads of a particular documents, how many connections, how many interactions, what sessions work best for sponsors. All of a sudden, you have, you have tangible ROI data you can give to sponsors, right? Where well, we've mm. been selling awareness forever. In our industry, like, yeah, put a banner there, have a booth there, and that's it. Now you have, like, how many people pass by, how many people downloaded the information, how many meetings did you do. Like, everything is trackable. And it's amazing. Like, this is, like, really the beginning of something different for B2B and B2C marketing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I think about it similar to in any marketing or business discipline in that the more data that you collect over a longer period of time, the smarter your business or marketing gets. And in this instance, you just take that concept and apply it to events. So the events, particularly if you think about the hybrid models or the virtual models that you were discussing, if you're hosting events over a long period of time, and maybe there are more of them, but they're shorter in length or they're different um, in terms of their topics or concepts, then your events are just going to get smarter, tighter, more engaging, the more of them that you have. So it kind of lends itself to that sequential workflow type of, uh, model that you were talking about earlier. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that's music to my ear, Scott, to be honest. Mm. Like that's exactly where I would love the audience to gravitate gravitate towards in a sense because that's, that's the, the future of it. That's the natural evolution of virtual events experiences as well. Mm. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people at the beginning of the pandemic, they, you know, the, the immediate thing that a lot of us did, I'm not trying to be, I'm not being judgmental here by any means, right? Our experience was in-person events. So we tried to translate the in-person event experience online. That didn't work, right? Because mm-hmm. we wanted something different. We wanted a TV experience in terms of content with with amazing moderators, you know, engaging content, uh, breakouts, and we can talk about, you know, how to make it more engaging for your audience. But we also want a connection. So we wanted to connect with other attendees. We wanted to use chats. We wanted to use polls. We wanted to use breakout rooms mm-hmm. to connect with others. But in a fast-paced environment that delivered a bunch of value to us because time right now, the currency is time. Like, we don't have time to do anything. We're constantly on. Uh, those people that are working right now, they're overworking. Everybody's overworking uh, to a certain extent because they're making up for people that are not working in some <laughs> cases. Or, you know, some some companies are just struggling. I don't want to enter into that. But, like, a lot of people feel the burnout. The mm-hmm. burnout is, is real. When they make an investment to attend your virtual event even more so in person event you better deliver otherwise i'm gonna i'm not gonna give you many chances mm. and you mentioned just a moment ago in a perfect close to this episode is 
the future and what the future of uh, events online look like or virtual events look like. But I'm particularly interested in the future at Hop In. So is there anything on the roadmap that you look at and you're particularly excited about that's rolling out, you know, in the more immediate future over the next six months or year? Um, well, I mean... <laughs> That you're allowed to um, talk about as well. <laughs> of course not. Uh, <laughs> but, the, uh, you know, I don't want to have a SWAT team kind of uh, <laughs> getting into my house and arresting me uh, for saying things. No, there, there's nothing much I can say. But, like, okay. uh, the, data, the data piece is very important for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the ability to deliver better events is not just a, a matter of... I mean, it is a matter probably... 80% a matter of how you design your events, right? How creative you are. I think that, you know, we have the biggest opportunity as event planners to be creative now. We get a pass. Like, you don't get a pass if you plan in-person events. You know what I mean, Scott? <laughs> like, if you're mini burgers, they're not good enough. People are going to, uh, they're going to cry on it on Twitter and, mm. like, start complaining about it. Like, being virtual events, I feel we still have a pass. Like, we still, still there's a lot of, room to experiment and mm. and therefore we have this opportunity to create incredible new experiences really create something new here said that i feel that platforms are responsible to help um, event professionals and marketing professionals to to create better experiences and the amount of data has to make sense it's not just like vanity metrics as i say we need something more deeper than that that helps people to make the right decisions. And we're working really a lot on that piece. And that's as much as I can say, Scott. <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's a great way to close. If people want to learn more about you, hop in the items we've discussed today, and maybe even just give hop in a try, let them know where they can find you. For sure. Hopin.com, H-O-P-I-N.com. Um, free to try up to 200 attendees for a few hours uh, of events. So, you know, costs you nothing really easy so uh julius at hopin.com if you have any question you want to be connected to any team member to know more about what we do to julius online everywhere julius salaris on linkedin just connect with me i'd love to have a conversation with you and uh yeah let's uh, let's keep on meeting however whenever we want well, I'm glad I met you in this way because you said you don't particularly like small talk at events, but I managed to corner you for 45 minutes here on the podcast and get lots of the useful information out of you about the events industry. It's been an insightful conversation, so I appreciate you taking the time out today. Thanks for the opportunity, Scott. Brilliant. Okay, this has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Take care. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.